You guys are in for an actual treat today. <laughs> I have just hung up from chatting with John for an entire hour. Actually, I think it was more than that. We covered so much. John's business is two studios split into two different cities across the US. He's going to tell you more about that. He has to revenue over 60 grand per month just to pay the bills of the studio, pay himself, pay his his second shooters or, or assistant shooters and his entire team, 60 grand a month. <laughs> and so you can imagine that he needs lots of leads, uh, lots of bookings and a pretty high average sale too. We got into all of that mostly in the second half about having employees, being a manager, how much the business needs to make, his booking funnel, where those leads come from, this kind of stuff we spoke about in the second half. But in the first half, which is for everybody here right now, is um, a bit of, you know, a bit about John's studio, that he's working with a team. We spoke about being a specialist and a generalist. And if you can be both, incorporating humans with dogs, where John's clients come from, the importance of education, which was actually the topic of today's interview, but we got a bit distracted and covered absolutely everything as well. So basically tune in, listen up. There's some great lessons to be learned and I can't wait for you guys to hear this interview today. Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club. Tune in as experts share their insights to help grow your business with higher sales, creative marketing, and kick-arse business strategies. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome back to the Pet Photographers Club. I'm your host, Kirsty McConnell, and today I'm chatting with John Glazer of John Glazer Photography in the US. I'm actually going to pass it over to you for a moment, John, and I'm going to get you to introduce yourself to the audience, where you're based, where your multiple studios are in the US, and then we'll kick it off from there. Sounds good. Well, thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be a part of this, and thanks for inviting me to be on your podcast. I have a studio in Houston, Texas, in the US, and then this last year, we actually opened one in New York City. I tested it out, and it's been working out really well, and so we actually moved our associate photographer from Houston up to New York to run that studio. And then I run the studio down here, but I go up to New York every now and then throughout the year. We do mostly dogs and families, but we also do like headshots and stuff like that. But the majority of our work is in studio dog portrait photography. Nice. Okay. So already I'm sure the listeners ears are perked that not only do you have one studio, like an actual studio space, but two, <laughs> and not exactly nearby to each other. I mean, you have to fly between those two cities, don't you? Yes. <laughs> okay, so you've got these two studios, an associate shooter at least. Are you still shooting? Yes. So I, I shoot some here in Houston. I have another associate photographer that we hired and trained up before, Ricky, who is my photographer in New York. We got Alex is our new guy, and he does the majority of the work down here. I do all the weekday work, like Monday through Friday, and then a couple of weekends a month. Most of our our portrait stuff happens on the weekends, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, because um, that's when families are available with kids in school and everything. We don't do evening shoots in the weekdays because we found that just to be a pain. And then I do all like the business headshot 
corporate headshot type of stuff around the, throughout the week. And, and like I said, a couple of weekends a month or a weekend a month or something like that, I'll do the weekend portrait sessions. Just I like to stay in the mix. I like to still photograph people and dogs and be with my clients and everything. But I have two kids and a wife and I wanted to have a little bit of a life and they're growing up and doing a lot more activities. So I needed to set up my business in a way that I could not have to be here every single weekend, but still be running a business and making money. And so it's worked out really well for us. Our photographers are amazing. We all do the same thing. They're trained by me, so we keep the same style. So John Glaze Photography has turned into kind of a brand and not just a person. And, and, and then I fly, when I started New York, I went up there two times a month. So every other week, basically, and did weekend sessions. We rented a shared studio space. And then when we found out that it was a viable thing, I just happened to be the, I was on the fourth floor of the building that I was in and the fifth floor came available for a full-time studio and it's amazing space. I'm jealous of it because it's not like our Houston studio is nice, but our New York studio is amazing and, <laughs> uh, and, and, and it's huge. It's like 2,500 square feet and it's just very open and there's so much we can do with it. Fifth floor opened up and they offered it to me to rent it full-time. And so we rent it full time and do a similar model up there where we do Friday, Saturday, Sunday shoots. And then the weekend, weekdays, at least for now, because we're not doing as much headshots up there yet because Ricky is not as versed in headshots yet as, as I want to be, um, to be doing it on his own. But we rent out the space to other photographers and stuff that want to use it so that we can make some money back from the rent. Because as you can imagine, in New York City, if you don't know anything about New York, it's a lot more expensive than it is here in Houston. <laughs> and so if I can make money back off of renting the studio a few times a week, then then that helps with the bottom line and everything. So anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay. That makes sense. All right. So just give me a rundown then, sorry. What percentage of your client bookings are in terms of num numbers not money are yeah. headshots what percentage are families and what percentage are pets these days I don't have those serious breakdowns but if I were to venture to say like when it comes to the family versus dogs and families like because we always we like to wrap families with dogs yeah, okay. yeah, I, I find a lot of dog photographers, at least in our area, when you go to their websites, it's just dog, 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 dog. And there's no humans that are related to the dogs. And we treat our, our sessions kind of like the dog is like a kid. It's part of the family. Mm -hmm. So we still incorporate the family. But if, if you talk about like dog and family together, I would say that's about 70% of what we do family and other things that like so we do some athlete stuff like high school athletes and you know little kid athletes and stuff and do some real dramatic stuff with that so I would wrap that into the family stuff and so that's about you know, the the 20 percent and right now the headshots is only about 10 percent we're okay. building on that but it's it's still really low and it's growing this year it's already grown a lot from last year and honestly I didn't focus on it a whole lot until this year and this year I'm really trying to grow it one because I like doing that kind of work and two a lot of my corporate headshot clients that come in and do corporate headshots they see the beautiful artwork that's on the wall for family and dogs and go I have a family I have a dog and they come back and become a, a client in that realm as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you if that if that happens, because doing the headshot, you're getting them 
you know, exposed to your other work. And so you, know, you would hope that that organically leads to, to future bookings. So obviously you're making your clients happy if they're then booking additional sessions or you and your team are. Okay, so yes. you're doing 70% with pets and then yeah. another 30% that are focused people only. And what I'm yeah. interested in about that, John, is that a lot of people kind of do the reverse. A lot of photographers, they're maybe primarily people, but they want to be pets and then they slowly build up pets more, people less, and then often eventually we see people that just specialize in only doing pets they won't do anything else or if they do they don't advertise it they don't put it anywhere because we're so focused myself included we're so focused on building this identity as being a dog photographer or a pet photographer and becoming kind of known as the expert in that field which is one business model and it certainly works well but I'm really interested to hear that you're focusing on a totally different growth model I suppose you would say and it sounds like it's working for you because you've just opened a second <laughs> studio. So what is your thought around that, around this? Can you still be the expert and also the generalist? So, I, I mean, I've had a lot of conversations with photographers about this, and I know there's a wide gamut of uh, opinions about this. I know there's people that say you should only focus on what you do really well. And and I don't just like I would never do weddings. Like that's not my thing. But I think that's a completely different realm than uh-huh. doing dog and family photography. Right. And and I think somebody doing weddings would struggle doing dog and family photography because there's it's just different. Especially in its studio based where, you know, you know, weddings and stuff is more natural light and, you know, on location strobes if you're using them and stuff like that. So, but I think that, you know, to me, light is light and I use a lot of strobes and we also have some constant lights for those dogs that are a little skittish, but they're cabled strobe or uh, constant light. So we try not to use them unless we have to. But light is light to me, and as long as you can harness the light and learn how to use the light, it's the subject that you have to work with. And if you can figure out how to best work with the subject, I think you can do a variety of things. So like I said earlier, I do athlete sessions, and I used to be a coach, like coached football and girls basketball at a high school. So I love working with athletes, and I know how to talk to them. And so that's what kind of got me into that realm. We've gotten known for like wow he creates some really cool dramatic stuff that they're not your your you know your your team photos it's not something you're going to get on photo day with your team and then the family stuff is actually how we started the studio um we we did a lot of family sessions and then we got our own dog in our own house and, and i took some photos of my kids with our dog when we got her and i started promoting it just to try it out and see what it would be like and it blew up like i mean immediately we were starting to get anybody and everybody wanted to come in and do dog sessions because one we do a lot of black and white photography and i think that's a that's a genre that we don't see very often we still offer color but we really specialize in the black and white look and then i think that differentiates us but then too like i said before i find when i do my market research in my area that dog photographers in my area, in, in a lot of areas, I feel don't incorporate the human as much within their photography. And it's just all about the dog. And 
and I, like I said earlier, like, I feel like the dog is part of the family. It's like your kids. It's like having mom and dad come to a session and you're just going to take pictures of the kids and no pictures of mom and dad and the kids and not create okay. those memories. And so by doing that, it kind of makes it a natural bond of doing dog photography and family photography because you're doing one in the same only your dogs are kids, you know? And then when you go and do a family session and there's no dogs, it's the same kind of thing. You're just doing it with kids and no dogs. So the posing doesn't change a whole lot. Obviously you're gonna be with dogs different than you are with kids, but I make the joke when people say, hey, I wanna do dog photography, what, what should I expect? And I ask them, you know, have you ever done sessions with multiple like two and three year olds in a session at the same time? And if they say yes, and I said, yeah, I'll say, well, then you probably could, if you were able to handle that and not lose your mind, you might be able to do dog sessions because it's not much different in the chaos that comes with doing a dog session. Then you have two and three year olds that are losing their mind and you have an attention span of like 20 minutes. And so, so I, I, that's the kind of the mentality of what I have with that is just like, to me, they're one and the same. So it's not like it's two different genres and, and I just meld them together. It's, and it's about working with people like posing is posing, but what I find I'm a big Peter Hurley fan and what I love. And I learned a lot about with Peter Hurley is how you interact with clients and that interaction creates the images that we create. Right. And it's not about like, hey, put your head here and move here, do this or whatever. It's about like, hey, like do this and get a reaction or get that connection or you say things and you, you know, you tell them to do things, you make them laugh or you make them get serious or something like that. And, and it's the same kind of thing with dogs. Obviously, you can't tell the dog, be serious, give me a laugh, give me a smile or whatever. So that part is a little bit more you're going with the flow. The other thing too is, and I didn't say this, I used to do photojournalism with sports. I used to photograph sports when it comes to like football, basketball, and college pro stuff like that. I used to be a freelance photographer for USA Today sports images. And I think that helps me, especially in the dog world, because when they're in a studio, it's like you have to put on your photojournalist hat in a way, because everything that they do in a studio is a potential for a photograph. You know, because you're not going to pose a dog in, in a lot of, sometimes you're not going to pose a dog at all because they just won't cooperate. And sometimes you can pose a dog because they're good and they do commands and all that stuff. But you always have to be at the ready and have your camera ready to take that photo because like you never know what a dog is going to do. Just like you're not going to know what a two or three year old is going to do. And that's a photo. Okay. So yeah, that makes total sense, John, because I was picturing that like myself, for example, as a primarily dog photographer, but definitely specialist pet photographer offering nothing else. I can plaster that all over my website and I really used that to set myself apart. Um, so I was wondering like how you go about the same thing because you can't really do that, but all of your, or most of your leads are coming through Facebook anyway, then it makes sense that that particular ad can really speak to dog people. And that's what's showing you already. It kind of automatically kind of shows you as the expert anyway, because you're appealing, especially to them. So yeah, that right. does that does make sense. Well, and then, and then on our website too, we have like, you know, we have the different genres and stuff. And so people can go and see that, oh, like, does he do, like, does he really do dogs? And then he, they can see like, there's our body of work that we can show you like, oh, okay, wow, that's outstanding work. And, 
I want to work with them. But the other side too, real quick on that is I think another thing that kind of differentiates myself as a, as a dog photographer, that's very different. in in a lot of areas I find, at least in my observation, I do studio dog photography where most dog photographers I find go out on location and they don't do a lot of studio work. We don't do any location work. It's all in studio. So when we have people come and say, Hey, can you do on location dog photography? I'm like, we don't do that, you know, and, and we've lost some clients because of that, but that's making that differentiator of like, I'm not a on location dog photographer. I can do great work if you want to bring them into the studio, but we're not going to go, go to you. Yeah, yeah, I see exactly what you mean. So you're almost saying instead, like our specialty, our niche is here with this particular backdrop and this particular environment, like vibe, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so yeah, still exactly. mm-hmm. um, John, <laughs> I got you on the show today because I wanted to talk about the importance of education. We're 20 minutes in and we haven't even touched on it. <laughs> that's all right. So, no, that's, we've, I mean, you've shared tons of gold already and I've already got a bunch of notes to cover in the extended half of the episode as well which is of course for members only but before we get like before we pause from the free listeners and get into the that for the members only I do want to touch on education a little bit because I was I'll say like quite surprised the other week (laughs) for the listener I was hosting a online live training for Andrew Helmich of PhotoBizX, another podcast, which if you guys aren't listeners, I highly recommend, of course. I was hosting a live training for, for Andrew and his audience, which was about transitioning into pet photography. And um, I'm on the Zoom call. It was about to start and pop and on to the screen pops to John. And I was like, what the hell are you doing here? You're like a million dollar studio owner and you're coming to learn this. You already specialize in pets. I was quite surprised. And then, well, I was quite also humbled. And when you when you wrote me some beautiful feedback, I was very proud as well. But I was really intrigued that, you know, what were you doing there? I mean, first of all, I mean, I know you don't just come to mind. I, I've then realized that you, you know, you do spend a lot of time, you know, expanding your knowledge and, and continuing to stay up to date through education. But what is it that makes you, you know, let's take the training the other week. What made you want to do that training? One that you you don't really need, you know, why did you right. jump into that? Well, I, I, I think like you said, I, you said, I don't really need, I don't think there's ever, you can never learn enough. You know, I used to, like I said, I used to be a coach and we would go to coaching conferences and stuff and you would hear the same old stuff over and over and over and over again. But then there was always that nugget of information. I was like, Ooh, that's gold. I could use that, you know, or whatever. And I think I took that kind of into my photography business. It's like, I can always learn from somebody else. You know, I mean, I I learn from people that I'm working with that I'm helping them with their business because I'm like, oh, I didn't even think about that, you know, or type of thing. But mm-hmm. you, you're a you're a pet photographer, you know. What am I doing? Like, I learned a lot of stuff from you in that podcast that I'm just like, okay, I never thought about doing it that way, or I never thought like one of the things you said about with the the, the treats, you know, like we've always said, bring the treats, you know, bring a treat because I like I've always been worried about like dog food allergies or something like that. I don't want to have a treat and then the dog has a reaction to it or something like like that. And we have some treats in the studio in case they don't bring stuff. But I loved what you said about that. And I was just like, okay, we're going to change a little bit of how we're going to treat that and have these, these nicer, higher end treats that are like, 
different that the dog's probably not going to have experienced in their life and and it makes it different so it, i i learned stuff there i learned some stuff that you were doing with marketing that i thought was really cool and your partnerships with different people and stuff but all that to be said is just like i felt like i could get something out of it you know you're you're doing the same thing that i'm doing and you have an expertise in this obviously when it came to you like i know it came up a little bit about like how to work with people in, in, in the actual session itself. And you do a lot of outdoor stuff and, and you've covered a lot of that, but I, like, I, I'll be honest, I kind of checked out during that time, <laughs> but, but that's because I don't do that kind of thing. Right. We don't have okay. like our dogs can't run and play and get photos in our studio. It's more posed and with the interaction with their, their humans and stuff like that. But anyway, that's just me. I like to learn. I mean, I'm very active in photo biz X. It's one of my favorite places to learn. I'm listening to like, I love Andrew's podcast because it's like a variety of things and genres and stuff. Now I will caution the listener that you have to be careful with that too, because because I used to be one of these people, you would learn something new from somebody and you get this little gold nugget of information that you thought, oh, this is going to revolutionize my business. And then you end up going all different directions and you're not staying on your path. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a really so, good point. So when you go through something like that and you're learning from somebody else, if it's a different genre or, or somebody that's doing the same thing as you, I have to, I've had to learn to stay the course with what makes sense for my business, you know? So it's just like, I, in, in my past, I could have listened to your course with Andrew and, and you say, we do on location and we go out to the beach and we do that. And I, and I would be like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Let's change course and let's do all that instead of what we're already doing and be successful with, you know? Yeah. And now it makes it all scattered, right? Where I'm like, no, I like, I can implement the treat thing just in my own studio, or I can implement some of these marketing ideas to get more people into the studio. So that's the thing. I mean, I've learned stuff from, from, like I said, I mentioned Peter Hurley earlier. He's a headshot photographer, but I use stuff that he talks about all the time in my family sessions all the time, just because he's a headshot photographer. Like he teaches how to pose and how to, interact with people like that's a big part of what he does and Mm -hmm. and i learn a ton from him from that along with the lighting and everything else that goes with that you know so i just Mm -hmm. think that education is a really important thing but i think you have to be careful and cautious that it's one thing i think i see with photographers a lot they're always chasing especially ones that are trying to build their business and, and get their business going they're trying to chase that what's that niche or what's that thing that's going to make me successful and make my business successful. And it's just like, you still have to stick with what's your thing, but how do you implement those little nuggets of information that you get to, to meld with whatever you're already doing? Mm -hmm. And I think actually, yeah, you just made two very good points, right? Number one, that people are often, and I see this a lot, people are looking for a shortcut and okay. Yeah. There are some, you know, by attending different trainings and listening to podcasts, these kind of things, yes, you are going to shortcut your, because you, you're not having to do the the failures yourself a lot of the time. You know, you can hear that, oh, you know, somebody else has already made that mistake and you can learn from them rather than doing it yourself. A lot of the time, sometimes you're also going to make the mistakes too and that's okay. But people are often looking for that like golden, like that wand, you know, magic wand that takes you from zero to six figures or, or, or seven figures, right. you know, like overnight. And 
it doesn't really work like that, at least not from one particular piece of advice. Right. As you and I both know and most of the listeners too, I'm sure. So that's definitely one part of it that you have to kind of be going in just trying to take the little snippets and then putting all the little snippets together to, to form your own business, like you were saying. And then this one key word that you used then, which is one of my favorite words, the listeners are like going to roll their eyes, oh, Kirstie's at it again, was implement, implementing it. You said like, you know, I can implement, you know, little bits and pieces, et cetera. And that's the main thing, isn't it? I mean, there's no point in you giving up. I mean, that training was what, two hours? You gave up two hours yeah. of your time. There's no plus the $98 or however much it was. There's no point in you doing that if, you're not going to implement what you've just learned, you know? So, well, and there, and I will say that the implementation thing, and this is something as you as a business owner that's been successful, like can understand and, and, and audience members that like would listen to this podcast that have, are still trying to build their business and understand their businesses. When you listen to a podcast or you listen to that one thing, whatever that one thing is, is there's 900 other things that are going on in the background. And so just because you've heard this one little snippet of information, that doesn't mean that like if you implement that one little thing that all of a sudden magically everything's going to fall in place because there's so many other things that go into it. And so you have to learn those along the way. And that's the hard thing. I have a really good friend of mine. He's a photographer up in Canada and he and I talk about it all the time. It's like if being a business owner was easy, we would all be doing it, you know, and it's not. And, 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 like I like I I like what you said. It's just like everybody's looking for that shortcut or that get rich quick or that like build my business fast type of thing. And and I was I was lucky that my business kind of shot off and took off really fast. But there was so much that went into that that can't be addressed in an hour long podcast, you know. And and like my background, I used to have a project manager background. I used to be a, a coach and work with kids and work with adults and teach them and all that kind of stuff. And so all these little snippets of what happened in my life to lead me to this point were those educational things that got me to this point, you know, and helped me to be successful. Mm -hmm. But there's been a lot of failures along the way. Like, you know, people I think look at you and like people like you and me and stuff and they go, wow, they're so awesome. But they don't see all the non-awesome things that happened with us <laughs> before we got to that part. You know, I want to be like John. And I'm like, okay, well, if you would have known the things that happened before John became the person that you know, then you wouldn't want to be me <laughs> because you would have had to go through some of that heartache. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But But like all those heartache things got me to be successful and those lessons learned and then like i like we were talking about before learning along the way and always be learning along the way you know and try and find those things that are going to help you refine and do better in what you're already doing mm -hmm. yeah definitely you know john i think that's the perfect note to wrap up the first part of the episode because that was some really nice nice advice that you that you closed off with there i do have tons more that i want to chat with you about there was a couple of questions Absolutely. in the facebook group because we always ask the members like hey we've got this person coming on the show what kind of questions do you have for them so i've got a few questions from them to ask you mostly around your your marketing also i want to go a bit more deep a bit deeper into the importance of including humans with the dogs as you're mentioning is important to you and maybe if we get time also about studio you're uh, opening a studio as well so let's see how we go for time with that one but for now we're going to wrap up part one but first of all where is the best place for the listener to check out what it is that you do 
you can go to johnglazerphotography.com. It's G-L-A-S-E-R. Everybody gets that wrong, but it's J-O-H-N-G-L-A-S-E-R photography.com. Or I'm on Instagram at johnglazerphotography and also on Facebook at johnglazerphotography as well. Awesome. And as always, I will put those links in the show notes anyway. So if you did miss them, just head on over to the petphotographersclub.com slash V dash podcast and search John and it will come up. It's usually in the bottom of the show notes on whatever device you're listening to this episode on anyway. That is it for part one of this episode. If you're a member of the club, of course, you can continue listening to part two in the member zone or via your private RSS feed in your favorite podcast player. Don't forget, if you're not a member yet, of course, you can join today. It's just 10 bucks a month and club membership includes tons of perks like hearing the rest of this episode and uh, getting some discounts on uh, Zoom events and a lot of other things that we offer at the club as well. So just head on over to the petphotographersclub.com slash join to find out more. Thanks for listening to the Pet Photographers Club. To subscribe to the podcast, check out other episodes, and keep up to date, head to thepetphotographersclub.com.